1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to our episode of Sheologians. We are here today to put the key in patriarchy. Oh, ho, 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 ho. because the rules are made up and the points don't matter.
0: Love that show. Uh,
1: so good. Um, my name is Summer Yeager. I'm here with my beautiful co-host Joy and um, we're going to answer our, everybody's burning question uh-huh. from last week. Right at the top. Right, I the top. you guys. Yeah, you guys don't have to wait. Um so the so in my opinion, there are I also have a runner up. Okay. The thing is is that my favorite album from the 90s is Weezer's Blue album. Okay. But my runner up is Third Eye Blind's Blue album interesting so both of them i just i'm sending I, a pattern i also thought it was interesting that the, these two amazing albums very 90s both of them are just to me this is oh, the yeah. 90s mm-hmm. weezer's blue and third eye blinds blue and i just think it's funny that they both have blue, albums blue. and they're both blue and they both are just the jams are there How do you- are there better jams <laughs> No, there are no better jams, in my opinion, than those two albums. Huh, okay. Huh, she says. Huh, all right. Huh, you're wrong. Um, (laughs) In my personal opinion,
0: and uh, some of you probably know where I'm going. (laughs) I am so... Um, What's happening? I'm going to go ahead and say the best album that was released in the 90s was the Lion King soundtrack. (laughs) Um, I mean, obviously. I mean, it was good. It's stood the test of time. It has stood the test of time. Musical inspired, they did try to add a. We all tried to add a song. What? Yeah. Ew. Mm -hmm. Why? Zazu sings a song. Who is they? Get out. I just remember I was watching a kid, and I was like, "What is this song right (laughs) now?" He was like, "This has always been in the. This has always been on here." And I was like, "No, no, no, no." No, no." Mm -mm. I have logged some hours listening to the Lion King soundtrack and this is new and it was new. Anyway, the original 1994. Yeah. Lion King soundtrack. I'm not talking about the one with Beyonce or whoever was in the live action one. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Mm -mm. I'm talking about Whoopi Goldberg. (laughs) Jeremy Irons. Cheech Marin. Come on. (laughs) Cheech. They have everyone. Hans Zimmer, Elton John. Okay, but the on. sweater song, come on. It is great. My runner-up was. <laughs> yeah. Um. Every, everybody else is doing it, so why can't we buy the cranberries?
1: I could I name a song off that album? I yes, don't... you can. What? Linger. Oh, dreams. that one. Okay. Come on. Yeah, no, those are classics. Those transcend the nineties. I
0: just love the cranberries.
1: Well. Joy, you just can't be right about everything.
0: <laughs> but this one I can be. If is that you what had, you were going to say? If you had my answer. <laughs> oh, you could be. Everything's blue, guys.
1: Everything is blue. <laughs> um. So anyway, hi. You can leave us Hello. a voicemail and let us know what your favorite 90s album is. Did or, we get it wrong? We didn't. Was I, I right? I didn't get it wrong. Um <laughs> Tell me if
0: I was right. <laughs> you can leave that voicemail at <laughs> if you're calling to tell Summer she's right, it's 470 465 0475.
1: Uh you can join us in our Endeavors of podcasting <laughs> and book clubbing at patreon.com slash sheologians. Just come and check it out. We have a store. You can buy stuff. Shop com. Get your feminism is poison gear. Um, Let's see. What else do we have to tell them? I'm right about the 90s. <laughs> this is the majority of what was on my mind. Um, yeah, I don't know. My mind is blank. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Yeah, I've been just hiking oh, so much lately. <laughs> isn't it great? Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Just <laughs> the thing about the thing I'm discovering is that I like the process. Hmm. Um, I don't like being at the top. <laughs> okay. I don't. So, um, I'm terrified of heights. Okay. So. I don't like that and also in general I'm
0: hiking with four children right where I'm just imagining falling off the side of the cliff that makes it different or sometimes just... you're not so much afraid of heights as you're afraid of heights for other people your children that yeah. could
1: I'm imagining someone like falling and breaking an ankle and then I'm thinking in my head like could I carry this person down a mountain um, if I keep working out Maybe right. in a couple of years, uh-huh. but not right at this moment. So,
0: <laughs> can Jenny and I carry these people down the mountain? <laughs> yeah, because
1: <sighs> I'm not sure. Anyway, but it's just, um, it's been fun. But I feel just so ready for a nap, all the time, <laughs> at any minute of the day. Yeah, I'm ready. But then
0: you simultaneously have that hiking energy. But yeah, I'm in that. So mood you sort of like, just yeah, like ride I was outside today. Yeah,
1: um, you know the top of the rock hole in the rock mm-hmm. um janny was up there she's sitting next to morgan and she goes isn't nature just perfect <laughs> and i was just like yeah
0: that's wonderful
1: yeah i like
0: the sentiment i like
1: that i like that <laughs> idea um i couldn't my hands were so sweaty and i was just staring <laughs> oh at the you ground. also
0: are that like an annihilator like see to me some people are afraid of heights mm-hmm. and then there are people mm-hmm. that are afraid of heights and their hands and feet sweat which means that if they were in a situation where they were high up mm-hmm. they would their body would be trying to kill them yes <laughs> by sweating yes and making so, things slippery so
1: i i was looking at my my watch because it tracks like my movement, my heart rate, everything uh-huh. whatever. And so I was looking at the map of I want to know I wanted to know how many feet we climbed when we went up a mountain. Uh-huh.
0: And uh why did you want to know that? <laughs> what do you mean? Does that have anything to do with who who your father is? You were like, "And of course I had to know how high a mountain was. I needed
1: to know how it's many like, feet what do you of ascent were. What do you
0: mean, of course? <laughs> of course you did because you're James White's daughter? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> He's always like, I climbed a thousand feet today. And I'm like, that doesn't mean anything to me because right. I've never climbed a thousand feet. <laughs> um, but all that to say, then it was so what happened as a result of me needing to know how many feet I climbed was uh, this nifty little part of my watch Was tracking what my heart rate was Okay Like as I was climbing Yeah Um, And it was you know It was, it was like in the green yellow Like uh-huh. it was a hard climb But I wasn't like dying or anything yeah. Which made A-Mountain's me A mountain's pretty It's a... It's You're steep. going up You're going up It's But steep. it's not like Um. Actually and talking Can't about this it. right now Is actually making my chest feel tight But um <laughs> I was in the red My heart rate was, oh, was in the red uh-huh. Just when I was standing at the top.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that it's sort of gradual. And then you get to that last oh, little bit there and it's just straight it. up. I'm going to uh, nice view though up there. No, it's not.
1: <laughs> nothing, no, it's not. Nothing about that view <laughs> brought me any spark of joy whatsoever. It was, it was all red. All I could see was red. Everything was splotchy. It's getting splotchy now thinking about it. My
0: hands are sweaty.
1: My hands are sweaty now talking yeah. about it. Um, I get
0: my hands and feet get sweaty when I'm like watching a movie Ugh. and they do Yeah. They're up high or whatever.
1: Yep, I'm gonna pass. So <laughs> all that to say, um, I need my hiking to involve less cliffs. Okay.
0: Yeah, I actually know some great um more like cross country hikes great. as opposed to elevation I'm
1: gonna <laughs> hikes. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take that because those elevation hikes, they they hike my heart rate <laughs> right, <laughs> right up. right through the sky. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, um, well, today we're about to talk to our guest. His name is Michael Foster, and he has a book coming out called It's Good to Be a Man. And you know, we were going
0: to attempt to tackle this episode by ourselves, but I'm so glad I thought that's stupid. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Also, I just love, um, Michael Foster has the kind of online presence that um, destroys the heart rates of all feminists everywhere, Right. <laughs> especially the yes. Christian variety, so um, I really appreciate that, and um, yeah, enjoy the interview. All right, so as I said, we have a guest with us today. We thought, uh, it's been a while since we have talked patriarchy, but... It's been too long, and also our guest has a book coming out. So, Michael Foster, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Yeah, it's uh, glad to be here.
1: Tell us, um, well, tell us about your book, first of all. When when can people grab it, and what is it about?
2: Sure. It's published by Canon Press, and its release date, but both for the hardcover and digital um, version on Kindle, is November 30th, 2021. So the title of the book, "It's Good to Be a Man," uh, a what is? It? They changed the subtitle. I mean, a handbook <laughs> for godly masculinity. So,
1: so why does anybody need that?
2: <laughs> well, that's a great question. Uh, the reality is that sexuality, both men and women, has been under attack for a long time, uh, and I think the tendency, and this is something we well, argument we try to present in the book, is that it's not really men versus women it's the war is on sex itself as in gender as in uh in the beginning god made man he made man male and female so the there's a move from the devil the move from paganism to uh, to either make the sexes interchangeable or to blur them right so we Mm -hmm. call that uh we call that androgyny and so the book is about why it's good to be a man and people say because we live in such a reactionary time like, oh, so you're saying it's not good to be a woman? <laughs> and you say, well, no, that's not how language works. That's a really dumb comment. Um uh no, it's good to be a woman too. And someday maybe we'll write that book. Um but we gotta start somewhere. Right. And we wanted to start with something that has been on our own heart as guys that grew up in broken families and a broken time, wanting to please God with who he made us. So the book is all about the goodness of masculinity. How do we reclaim it? What went wrong? What does it mean to not just be a good man in terms of virtue, but good at being a man in terms of living out your God-given sex?
1: Right. So you actually touched on the first question that I had for you, which was you said in the book that androgyny is a key element in the devil's project. And that spoke to me a lot as somebody who uh, I talk to a lot of women and what you would hear from, I think even, you know, women that are in solid Orthodox churches who subscribe to, you know, would say they subscribe to the Westminster. Um, what I hear from them a lot is that, uh, you know, sanctification is essentially gender neutral. Uh, and it reminded me of what you said in the book and something that we've been talking about. So what do you, why would androgyny be a key element in something that the devil would want?
2: Well, there are no humans. There are male and female. Humans a general category that we just use to refer to mankind, right? But we all exist as either male or female. And that's part of our destiny. Like men were made from dirt. Women were made from men men were uh, brought to the garden, women were brought to the men, right? Man was Mm -hmm. charged to to work the soil, to expand God's uh, garden sanctuary. The woman was charged to help the man. Like from the very get-go, they're different. Even when you look at uh, not just the creation, but the fall, in the fall, the curse isn't put on man and woman in identical ways. It's Mm sex-specific. And the things that men and women struggle with are very different. It, here's some. I mean, these are. This is stupid, right? The fact that I had to write this book is stupid. The fact that I have a Twitter following is stupid. The fact that I'm doing this podcast, everything's <laughs> stupid. Okay, yeah. that's how simple this stuff is. Right. Um, we live in a. We live in an insane time, and mm-hmm. we have to remind ourselves. That like, if if this book does well, and I hope it does, it's it's not because we're geniuses. It's because we live in dumb times, okay? Yeah. Like everyone used to know this. Most violent offenders in jail are men. And it's because we have more testosterone. We have more aggression. And that when aimed towards a godly purpose, when reordered by the Holy Spirit, according to God's design, that turns into conquering and pushing out this world that's fallen and protecting those that are behind the boundaries. That's the form it takes. Now, when it's ordered, according to sin, according to the kingdom of the devil, well, then it's very selfish and there can be such things as the evil patriarchy. Jesus says, your father's the devil, right? So we know there's such things as the evil patriarchy. And that's when you take the good gifts of God and they're twisted to selfish ungodly purposes. And so we see men uh, have more aggression. Now it's funny, that that comes up because you get the first Timothy two, everyone wants to talk about women being submissive and, and quiet and all that stuff. But listen to what Paul says. He says, therefore, I want men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with the proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works as is proper for women making a claim to godliness. Right? So that's interesting. There is a warning for men and a warning for women. The warning for men is attached to anger or strength or the desire to to fight, right? Wrath and dissension. To women, it's connected to a desire to uh, come across as beautiful that can be twisted into ungodly vanity and modesty. And so even our sins often are gendered. Mm -hmm. Men and women, they struggle with different sets of sin. There's a commonality. Some men can gossip. women can gossip. Women gossip more than men. Why? Well, because women uses, use their words to create relationships, to create nurturing. that's what women do. They come in and help. Women are awesome in that way, but that ability to create relationships in, in, in a kind of a nurturing atmosphere, when twisted, destroys relationships. If a guy has mattered a guy, we beat him. We take our fist out and we fight. Right. If a woman is mad at a woman, they destroy their reputation. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's the differences. We these are and everyone knows this, except dumb, confessional women on Twitter. Right. That's, that's, that's so the only true. people. <laughs> it's the only people. And the thing is they're lying and they know it, too, because what do they use to tre- tear people down? They use their words. And that's why Paul's always warning women about gossip. Well, is that because men don't gossip? No, it's just more concentrated due to their sexual nature, due to how they, you know, not sexual in the eros or erotic, but referring to their being, who God has made them to be. And so this, our book is just talking about how God's design is good. People say like, uh, people get mad at me when I say masculinity or aggression is good. Aggression is bad when it's ordered to ordered according to sin, but not when it's used to protect people. Not when it's uh, a a father trying to protect his his uh, son and daughter, his wife and et cetera. And so we just got a lot of things backwards. So what we tried to do in the book was lay out some big basic principles that would help people see through the sort of craziness of this echo chamber of insanity, as I might've already said, depending where you decided to edit.
1: <laughs> no, we missed that. That was, that was good. <laughs> Okay, well, so going back to the fall, this is a conversation that I mean, I've been in multiple times. Um what is you see, you were mentioning how even the the curse was gender specific. Like obviously men don't experience more pain in childbirth um this is obvious again this is like why this conversation is a little bit stupid because who needs to point that out well we do and i think
2: it was really painful watching yeah it was was a a person was coming out of a person was coming out of a person you know right i mean it was just a person and it was just it's crazy
1: um legs
2: coming out there's like four legs
1: what is it it was really
2: disturbing Uh,
1: We don't want to assign anything at birth. But anyway, um, so let's, I I want to briefly talk about what is the curse to women? What does it mean that her desire will be for her husband? What is that?
2: So we're all under, we've all entered into a state of sin and misery, right? So we all are under that general curse, right? We've all fallen into sin, Um, but it works its way out differently in each sex in specific ways so for a man part of his curse now is that he's supposed to bring uh pr- a production from the the ground and now it fights back against them it's supposed to be uh, good work not easy work but satisfying work now sweat of the brow now the the garden that he's supposed to be able to work in and enjoy is like fighting back at him thorns and thistles right and so that's where it is for the man it's his in his center of productivity with the woman same thing uh, she is a helper she is to help adam and now she has uh, not only just pain and childbearing which was supposed to be something not painful which is hard to believe right but also pain in her relationship so as Adam goes out and and produces in the world, the world's pushing back on him. And as she tries to help Adam, uh, and that's how she's productive, she's met with struggle too, an internal struggle, right? Where she wants to rule over him, just as sin wants to rule over Cain. In Genesis chapter four, she wants to rule over him. Now, some people take that too far. It doesn't mean that every woman is like this feminazi or something. It just means now there's a inclination um, to not follow her husband's lead in the fall, in the curse. And just like there's a disruption in the relationship now that she has with bearing children, which I think is be not just labor, but extends to the entire process. Mm. And so that's the curse. The curse is ultimately on fruitfulness, on a productivity, on the ability to bring fruit from the womb and fruit from the soil and all that You know, that's we call it the creation mandate, but it's also can be called the cultural mandate because just as you shape uh, the soil to make, you know, agriculture, that then leads to uh, other aspects of culture and society. Just as a woman uh, brings fruit from her womb, she also shapes the the people who they become as a mature individual. And so that's where the struggle is. And the gospel is the key to all of us um, actually having victory over those things. The gospel is the key for a man to go out there and throw himself into the difficulty of life because he believes that his purpose is to glorify God and his hopes, not in this world, but in the world to come. And therefore he can suffer. And the woman, she can submit to a man though he's sinful and imperfect and she can trust the man because ultimately her trust and hope is in Jesus. And so what you'll see, it's weird when you get in the world of patriarchy is that one, you've got the feminists and the, the complementarians that are actually feminists often, not always, but often,
0: mm-hmm. kind of
2: hate it on you. But do you you do have these guys that have kind of swung far the other way and are legit legitimate misogynists. Like they literally think women aren't made in the image of God. They think that women are all evil and that women will never submit to a man, right? Mm. Well, my wife submits to me, and I don't have to demand it. You know, I don't – I think it's like twice in – a 22 relation, 22 year old relationship 18 years married that I've had to say hey you need to follow me you really need to submit in this mm-hmm. and even then I wasn't like it's not like I got a card that's got the word submit written on <laughs> it and I like slam it down on the table you know like submit right right you know like it doesn't that's not the nature of our relationship we actually especially you know you get about five years in to marriage it gets good 10 years better when you're protein 20 minutes, it's fine wine. Um, that stuff's not a problem. And so it's hard for those guys to believe it. So you actually get people attacking this from both directions. You find yourself in the middle. And I got people telling me that like, I'm a liberal. And I'm like, man, <laughs> it's always weird. This is intense, right? You know, but that's, you do have to keep in between the ditches and it's very difficult. And the thing is with the feminists, that's why I see a lot of people do online they let these feminists trigger them and they're very reactive to them. And so ultimately the feminists are always leading the, the um the discussion. And so in our book, I don't know if you noticed this, but we just avoid a lot of the same old, same old stuff. Right. You know, like we don't we don't this book is about why it's good to be a man. We don't spend almost any time at all on First Timothy two and whether or not women should teach in churches. Right. You know, they shouldn't, right? It's like like I wish we had a verse like First Timothy two on baptism, right? <laughs> right, right. I mean, no First kidding Timothy II, like is about as clear as can be <laughs> right and it, you know um but we don't we didn't want to do that because we we wanted to get to the issues um under the issues and not let these people set the agenda and we do so often the, the, they're out there in front and fem and, and the complementarians or patriarchal guys tell themselves that they're defending and they're really just reacting right and so they're always they're always uh behind and never in the front
1: Right. Well, and isn't that, I think you had a really great article that was helpful to me a couple months ago on, I think what you're talking about right there has a lot to do with all the talk about the dishes. Like I saw this pastor a couple months ago, really popular, thousands and thousands of followers. And his whole tweet was like, men just do the dishes. And it really, it really bothered me because I thought like, how are... It is. I think this might be more of that stupid conversation honestly but it's like how on earth are we still talking about how is this the battlefield why how and how have we allowed the church to believe that this this is a battlefield isn't it just a symptom of something
2: it is so uh, that it's a weird thing when you start thinking about sexuality and listening to sermons on it and reading books on it and i, I love to read radical feminists and me too i, I prefer yeah. them i prefer them over christian feminists christian feminists are such liars right radical the radical ones are honest they're very honest yes. my firestone betty Friedan, simone bouvier all these people they just they, they they tell the truth um well they tell what they believe maybe right a way right to right um and, and you don't have to get through all the smoke screens but it was interesting to me how often dishes came up. And then I see these kind of soft, you know, nice guy pastors always telling guys to do the dishes. Yeah. And I was like, what is this weird? You know, like, uh, don't you guys have dishwashers or children? Right. right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes, my kids just clean off the plates and stick it in there. And like, I'm not beyond doing the dishes. Like, who cares? Right. You know, um, so I, I got interested in it. And I saw this whole thing that Matt Chandler did this about how guys should go, go to bed tired. Right. Hmm. And how, and so it was interesting. The subtext was very revealing. So the idea is that when you get home that you should immediately find out from your wife, how you can help her. Okay. Because she's been working all day, right. She's had to stay at home with the kids and all this. And I think to myself, what do you think I was doing all day? Right. I was working too. Right. I am tired too. She's tired too. Right. But here's what it is. She has paid the ultimate sacrifice in a complementarian feminist mind. So complementarians aren't all the same. Some are really good, like Owens, awesome. Right. Like Gavin Peacock's good. There's a lot of good guys out there. It just really means, but most of them, like Chandler, they call them soft complementarians or really just egalitarians. Chandler follows me on Twitter. It's super bizarre. We've actually had some DM DMs back and forth. I don't really understand it. He was following (laughs) me when I had like 800 people. So interesting. Yeah, really wild. Yeah. Um, Anyway. So the the subtext, though, is that staying at home is a special sacrifice. She could go out in the world and she could be a CEO. She could be a successful doctor or lawyer, et cetera, et cetera. And you've been out there in the world all day long. And she's been there stuck with the kids in the home. Right. So the subtext Is there something wrong with the home? There's something wrong with being a homekeeper. It's a special suffering. Life happens outside the home. Mm
0: -hmm. And you've
2: been out there enjoying yourself. And now you come home and the least you could do, man, is do the dishes. Mm
0: -hmm. That's what she really wants. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, But the thing is, if you're married to a woman that's competent, she's got that stuff. You know, my wife, we've got seven kids. She homeschools them. We're on a farm. You know, we're in a mm-hmm. five-bedroom house out here. We've got a uh, bunch of cats, a bunch of chickens, a dog, <laughs> building a rabbit hut, you know. Yeah. You know, I, that, that woman's on it. She's on it. Um, she, she she can handle this stuff. And every time I, when I started working from home, I'd like jack with her system. She's like, stop it. You know, stop helping me. Yeah. You're making it worse. Yes. You know, what she really needs from me is to discipline my children. You know, that's what she really needs yep. is my, my masculine presence Yep, because it's not fair, right? Because a woman will say, uh, come here, Bobby, and Bobby just sits there, and dad says, Bobby, and he just hops up, right? Yep. It's yes. totally not fair, uh-huh. but this is a dynamic that exists. And yep. so like, oh, wait, uh, uh, so a competent woman wants her husband – that's the thing she wants, him to do the dishes? And so what you realize is that the woman – in these congregations the women in these uh, congregations don't want to be in the home and the pastors feel it Mm -hmm. and that's because the home's been reduced to nothing Mm -hmm. for for ages the household was a center of hospitality so people say oh hospitality like hanging out and playing lord of the rings risk no no (laughs) business deals were made like peace treaties were formed you know you, you see how important hospitality is in particular in the genesis narrative um and so hospitality uh, but also productivity like there wasn't this personal space and this professional space they all mixed together
1: right
2: and that was true really until post-industrial revolution and even maybe just a hundred years ago and so now right. the the productivity was removed from the home where things are done because women are made more they could do more than cook and clean even though cooking and cleaning is honorable, but they can definitely do more than that. Women are smart. My wife has a nursing degree. She's very intelligent. She's educating uh, kids in multiple grades. Right? Usually you are an elementary school or a middle school teacher or a high school teacher. She's all of them. Um, right. And and so she she can uh, hold her own. Uh, so what's happening if if you have this sort of '50s housewife idea? And I think sometimes guys like Wayne Grudem accidentally come across like that's what they're recommending,
0: mm.
2: like that we need. But the '50s aren't the ideal; they're better than Chaosville that we live in, right? <laughs> sure. Right? <laughs> but they're they're not the ideal. Uh, so careerism, where women think they can have it all, that's the lie of feminism. Uh, the lie of feminism is that women can be men and women have everything that men have, have everything that women want and be happy. And they're all finding out that's not true Um, because like you can't be a lawyer and a doctor at the same time. Those are vocations that demand uh, your full attention and uh, you can't be a mother and a lawyer, uh, not easily at the same time. They they say, well, oh, so uh, you can be a father and a lawyer at the same time. Yes. Yes, you can it's different right because we're not the chief nurturers right it's it's different everyone knows that well i don't think it should be that way who cares it is it always has been and you're changing it and it's causing chaos don't you see this um and so what we have to realize is that careerism is a lie but 1950s housewife ideals a lie too you go to proverbs chapter 31 mm-hmm. and what you re- recognize is that this is a woman who's expanding everything her husband's given her. He's built, he built this home for it for her. So earlier in Proverbs, Proverbs is uh, 30 chapters on how to be a man, how to avoid bad women. And chapter really 31 is like, here's how to find the right woman. So the the royal son is is told that you need to uh, prepare your field first, your work outside, then build your household. So a man, he gets the basic things he needs to take care of a woman. Then he brings her into that And she multiplies that. So if you, without getting too uh, graphics, this through the sex act, that what a man exchanges with a woman and what a woman gives back to the marriage is incredible, right? Just a little bit of sperm can create a person in a woman. And she brings out this whole person. You give a woman a little bit of money and what she can do with it, how she can transform your home into a place of peace and beauty and an atmosphere of rest is amazing. Mm -hmm. And that's what you see there in Proverbs 31. This woman gets things done. Her home is in order so much so that she can expand her home. She can go buy more, right? She can get the, so that is how we should see the home. And so it's going to be really hard to recapture biblical sexuality and biblical patriarchy if we don't recapture biblical households. And so that ends up becoming a a big point in our book when we talk about uh, the, the mission, which is to basically live out for God's glory in your life with the particular gifts God's given you in the time he's placed you. And that means preparing yourself, Lord willing, for the normative function of the sexes, which is to get married and to have children and build a household. That's normative. There's exceptions, but they're not normal, right? They're abnormal and they can be to God's glory, but they're not normative, right? Right. And so we thought, what we have to do is get the sort of people that build the sort of homes that women can flourish in. And, and that means starting with men. And we think if we can help men uh, stop reacting to feminists and start living out their God ordained good design as men, that we will end up helping women in the long run.
0: Well, and I do, I think that is sort of a, well, that's, it's kind of always been the argument, right? Like, well, if men would just act right than their wives could. Is there, is yeah. there a negative truth? Do we get rid of that?
2: <laughs> well, kind of. So think of it this way. First off, you'll hear a lot of people say, um, oh, if, if he loved her like Jesus, she would be a good wife. Oh, yeah? You mean like Jesus loved the church? And then in Revelation Ooh. chapter two and three, he says that he's ready to spit them out for being terrible. Right. But women, women can be terrible, wicked horrid adulterers sinners they can gossip twist turn your kids against you uh, take you to divorce court tell you tell lies and take your kids from you if you're a man there's a lot of reason that men are justified in being scared of getting married there's a lot of reasons that we would all understand that men would be resentful that being said we know from uh, was it first Peter 3 second Peter 3 first Peter 3 that That as a woman, when she acts in a godly way around a bad man, it does affect them. And this is true with anything. Humility is very, very difficult to keep hating on. And I tell this to not just women, but also to men, is that you never lose to be humble in a situation to have a gentle and quiet spirit uh, usually is always to a woman's advantage and a man reacts to it just as a woman starts to feel safe when a man's being masculine when a woman's being feminine encourages a man to use his masculinity uh, for godly purposes does it happen cleanly and automatically in all cases of course not the world's broken and fallen and there's just some bad people out there but as a general rule rule as a, a man steps up, a woman falls. So, you know, I got to lose some of the fat, you know, just I, I'm, I'm getting ready for, you know, the apocalypse, of course, the America's about to fail.
1: <laughs> right. Um, as uh, we all are. Know,
2: yeah, we all are. So <laughs> it's it's not it's not a lack of discipline. It's uh it's on purpose. It's out of virtue. Uh, but I remember when I was toning up just to try to get a handle on my health that I started running and I didn't tell my wife I was going to run. I just ran two miles every day when I got home back. I got back from work. It didn't matter if it was snowing or a thunderstorm. I ran in all that I ran in like a a tornado warning. I was like, hey, I'll be right back. Um, So I did it. And um, and now my wife is naturally healthy and and very thin. And um, but she we had just had a baby and she wanted to lose some of the baby weight. And she's like, hey, can I is it okay if I start running too with you? I was like, yeah, that'd be great. I didn't have to tell her, you know, I didn't have to demand it. Like when I was taking taking my own health seriously and just going out there and doing it, she wanted to follow my lead. And what guys have to ask is, are men meant to be leaders? And if they are, when they take steps towards leadership, doesn't it follow that women would respond to that leadership often? They do. And the problem is that guys think they can just command a woman into obedience. You can't command and force and leverage anyone into obedience. That's not how it works. Command has to proceed from presence, right? Like Jesus had real authority. They they heard it in his words because of who he was. And when a man is uh, developing godly virtue and character, and then he speaks, people feel it. The women feel it. Women are dying for masculine men mm-hmm. and even the most ranched uh feminists will uh i said rancid that's not a word rancid <laughs> it is feminists. now it's
1: ratchet yes. and rancid yes <laughs> rancid. that's right <laughs> rancid.
2: That's, that's what i was going for um that uh, they, i've seen them get a strong man in their wife, or their life excuse me and they uh are immediately they start becoming more feminine mm-hmm. and so it's kind of like if you think about wheels on a car, you know, they kind of, they keep each other on path when they're rightly aligned.
0: Right. Okay. Um, the last question I have for you is what sort of effect or consequence do you think there is for Christian women to think poorly of men overall and specifically their husbands? It's,
2: it's going to be a miserable life because we're half of the world.
1: Right, <laughs> that is it's going no to be hard. Joke. Yeah, it's, it's like- going
2: to be difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, look, the the key to all this is the law, right? Look into the mirror of the law. Who are you before God? Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, th- let, let me give you an example. That let me tell you how disconnected women can be. So, women are grossed out by men and their porn use, because mm-hmm. porn's gross. Right. But women are especially grossed out by it where men understand. Now, when men find out about what women fantasize about, and just to give you an example, uh, it wasn't 50 million men that bought uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. (laughs) Yep. Men in general, the idea of being choked, dominance and all that, that they might, the, the public might act like that's normal with men. It's not at all and a female sexual fantasy is disgusting the men too it's it's it just so what happens is that we despise each other without looking at ourselves and th- women might not women are using pornography way more than they used to they're like but but it, even before that the sort of weird uh, fantasies they have as they read books or whatever they somehow think that's cleaner but it's not it's not there's degrees of sin sure Sure. There's different steps, but it's wicked too. And what I would tell any woman is that, look, you can't control your husband and really he can't control you, but you can control yourself. Take responsibility for your own sins. Be humble in the side of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And as you're working on your own sins, as you're practicing repentance and asking God to strengthen you by his spirit to produce holy fruit in your life, that humility, uh, Protects you from resentment. Most women that resent their husbands in a sort of pathological way um, have given themselves over to victimhood and given themselves over uh, to self-pity, narcissism, just self-focus. They're really not pursuing sanctification, is what you find a lot of times. Same thing with guys. I, I'll tell you a story. Um, this guy calls me up. Yes, I I don't do the same more, but I used to take calls. And this guy says, "Hey, I want to talk to you about something that is a little uncomfortable." And it's just like me and my wife's uh, sex life isn't what it used to be. And I was like, okay. And he's like, and I just don't know what to do about it. And I said, hey, can I, I just had a kind of a, I don't know, sixth sense going on here. I said, is your wife fat? And he said, yeah, she's put on a lot of weight and you're not attracted to her because she's become fat. And he was like, yeah. And I said, can I ask you a question? He said, yeah. I said, are you fat? And he said, well, I'm not in the shape I used to be. And I said, that sure sounds like code for your fat. Um, And he said, (laughs) yeah. "Yeah." And I was like, look, man, I'm not I'm I'm not trying to say we shouldn't let ourselves go in marriage. We should try to keep our health up. Right. We all fall apart. Right. Like we're under the curse. This is we're all going to die. But for the sake of health and, and it's a wonderful benefit to enjoy each other's beauty. But he can't make his wife be skinny. But he himself isn't taking it serious. And I just like, look, why don't you work on your own lack of discipline? And then, and then when you do call her, you say, babe, you know, I've been taking my health serious and it's, it's, it feels great. I feel so much better. I sleep better. I would love for you to, to join me. Would you come to the gym with me? We don't spend enough time together. Come to the gym with me once a week. right? When you do that, as opposed to saying, I'm just not turned on way i used to be because you're fat <laughs> right I mean, you can take that pathway if you want man but i think uh, it's going to be uncomfortable um and so what i i always try to recommend to people to work on their own stuff mm. right mm-hmm. and and then out of that this comes moral authority because people see that you take sin and you take discipline seriously yourself and it's not just selfish motives
0: right lead by example well and yeah and not <laughs> minimize your own stuff, right. but maximize the other person's thing. Yeah, I've been. Who constant. wants to be unhealthy? Right? No one. Like, no one. But
2: most people feel trapped. They feel trapped in habits right. and whatever. And so, if you start to break down those habits in your own life, it's easier for you to lead people into these new habits. Holiness is large in part, you know, after you've been born again, it sanctification works its way out in building godly habits, and people want to be set free. And so, what what a lot of people think can happen in marriage is automatic bliss but it is in itself another one of those things that you have to work at you know and so we think if we can build up good men that we that will lead to better marriages and happier marriages and and stronger children and and from that we can rebuild society I think the household is the basic building block of society But men lead the household. So how can we rebuild society without households? And how can we rebuild households without men?
1: Right. Well, you can't,
2: is the answer. Right. Which is why you started with this book. Yes, yes. That's right. That's what we're trying to do.
1: Okay, so the last very important question is, what's your favorite album from the 90s? Hmm.
0: There's oh two. Man, there's, there's so, so many, many of them. I know. We
1: actually we've been talking um, about this for weeks, and we finally settled on ours.
2: Mm-hmm. Just, All right, I want to hear yours first. Okay,
1: so I think the best album from the '90s is Weezer's Blue album.
2: It's okay, yeah.
1: No, no, it's not okay. It's absolutely fantastic.
0: Mine was <laughs> um, the original Lion King soundtrack. <laughs>
2: Oh, that's great! Hey, the one—the song's inspired by the Lion King's Real good. It's good too. It's got that one. He lives in you. That's a—that's a, a good song. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about, man. <laughs> I have oh, man. no
1: clue what you're saying. Well, you're, you're I was—I the... was two in the
2: '90s. <laughs> Just... Well, I lived through the whole thing. That's why I know better than you. Um, right. That's probably yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, he knows better than both I of us. I accept that. Cause, yes. <laughs> what? So, I think um, I was really into. So, 1990 had a great single by Belle Biv DeVoe uh, called Poison. OK, um, that's a great one. Okay. I really enjoyed that. But then uh, Nevermind by Nirvana. Obviously, is, yeah, um, classic is, is really good. Uh, Meat Puppets have oh. a not known album, uh, sadly, which is really good. They actually used to travel with Nirvana. They they, okay. they, uh, they covered one of their songs and Nirvana's unplugged. Uh, but yeah, a lot of that 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 stuff was that early stuff was really funky and yep. i i missed that and what's his name what's that cuban singer i don't know if he's cuban he looks cuban to me um, cuban downtown funk guy
0: oh oh um, no oh no
2: i'm so
1: blanking on his name too let's see yeah uh, he bruno, jumps on
2: a grenade for you that guy bruno, bruno mars. mars
1: bruno, bruno, bruno mars. mars he yeah, jumps he, on he, a can... grenade for you <laughs> Isn't it who that guy is? Yeah, yeah. that's who he is.
2: Yeah. All right, all right. Well, his last—I heard some of his music on on the radio, and he really captured some of that early '90s kind of. Yeah, he's stuff got some that. of that
0: like funk going on. Cool high harmony yeah.
2: by uh, um boys to men was also uh, classic. That, that's a that's a great one too, and that that sort of music is captures a time uh, it's weird as someone who's i'm 41 now it's weird that I, that the 90s turned out to be like this easygoing right simple time right you know, we look, look at it that way it. it's wild because so 1990 it's 2021 right so in, ni- in 1990 the the equivalent of now <laughs> or looking back to night it, it, so it's 21 years that would have been 1969 oh
1: it's so painful right? to say and
2: and it's very bizarre uh, but it's also interesting to watch how these patterns uh
0: uh-huh.
2: like mm-hmm. kind of repeat over and over again. Yes. But yeah, Belle Biv DeVoe is a great one. I like all that sort of stuff. And uh, I had a grunge phase, you know, where I was a moody, angsty teenager. There right. For a bit. We course. all did. Even you said teenager. Hair. We
1: <laughs> all, we all know. <laughs> We've all been uh, You know body
2: Bauckham, right? So Vati Bauckham like the Bible doesn't teach teenagers, right? And all that stuff. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, I got a 13 year old and 15 year old. And you can say that teenagers aren't a biblical category, but they're absolutely a hormonal category. Yeah. You know, (laughs) kids have changed. Yeah. I've been
1: meditating on that as mine get older as well. And uh, I I have a lot to think about because there is a that is a real special time.
2: (laughs) I laugh in their faces more than I probably should. Because they get like really, Emotional. really upset. They yeah, get, no one understands me, and I just start laughing really loud. Right, mostly at yeah, yourself. That, from right, before. because you remember when you thought that. <laughs> I was like, I hope, I hope you laugh this hard when you have a son as well. Because. Which is
0: also, I truly believe that is another reason why it is so important to have kids. You get this larger view of like
1: you get a perspective
0: just just, yeah you have just a different perspective you're like oh yeah
1: I remember when I
0: believed that that. I remember Mm -hmm. when that
1: was my deeply held belief
0: I remember when I also thought I knew more than my parents (laughs) that was your
2: lived-in truth yes (laughs) yes
1: that was my truth and now I just need to be and I realize
0: what a fool I was yeah (laughs) And now I'm looking at another fool
2: that I should train to no longer be a fool. It is amazing. So how tall? is any of your kids as tall as you yet, Summer? Yes,
1: my my 11 year old is, and that is.
2: I
0: want to make a joke, but (laughs)
1: she's going to say my her my five year old also is. Well, I was going to say it's not
2: that hard to be taller
1: than you. I am I am five foot two. I do it every
2: day. Okay. (laughs) So my wife's a little taller than that, but um. My son is clearly—I'm so—I'm six one, and my oldest son Hudson is turning fifteen here in just a couple weeks, and he's almost taller than me. Wow! And uh, he's just, uh, so the one side of my family is very tall, and he must have got those genes. But he's this—it's amazing that these people came from us. I always think about that. Right. I think about how it's there's a, a line from a Rich Mullen song um that used to stick with me I can't think of it exactly but just how how we forge people through Mm. our passionate love Mm. you know through uh and that's what saddens me right now is what people are missing out on so Mm. Emily and I we our marriage is an oasis in a desert right like I I love her I enjoy her um she's not my best friend she's my wife Right. Mm. Best friends can come and go. You, you should only have one wife. Right. Um, and she's very special. And we have this we're a comfort to one another. And the, our children's souls, we, we think about, we dream about, we wake up in the middle of the night worried about. Um, we work together to take care of this family. Um, everything that we have is this this common work mm. of trying to build up a household. And I see people out there being fed lies of feminism. And uh, where these women are taught to delay, to delay, delay, until mm. so they end up missing out, right? Or, or, or step in, and by God's grace, some of them, you know, get married after thirty or whatever, and they're able to have children, and it's it's good, praise the Lord, right? Even in one kid. But they're missing out so much, and I see these guys too that think all women, you know, like I'm sure, um, I'm sure you get pushed back from guys too that you're, you're just not feminine enough or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. There's all these
2: guys out here that, that there is a sort of misogyny that exists, um, uh, a sort of hatred of women. It, it existed pre, uh, right, right before the uh, Reformation. It was a big deal too. There's a book by Stephen Osmond, When Fathers Ruled. He talks about it in the first couple um, chapters of that book. And then I think um, there's another book called Popes and Feminists, which I can tell. I don't know if she cites them in the end notes, but she definitely was reading it because she, she she nails it, mm-hmm. where there was really an attitude that women were evil. And I've seen this with guys. And I'm like, yeah, there's evil women. No doubt about it. But there are awesome, godly women that in a marriage through the fires of sanctification will grow and mature. Like who Emily was and who I was and who we are
1: right. are
2: very different people. Right. And uh, what I want to see is happy marriages. I want to see the fruit of the womb. I want to see godly children that grow into godly men and women that we can uh, build godly culture with. And that's that for us, that's the heart of what we're after. You know, I read a lot of these books, and I feel like they're just mad at feminists. And I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm not really mad at feminists. I'm sad for them. I'm sad for people like Amy Bird. I'm sad for all those folks out there. I just think, man, why doesn't someone love you enough just to tell you stop, right? The closest you get is MacArthur saying, go home. Right. But but I mean, not just in a sermon, people that really love you and say, hey, do you know how good this is? And so uh, we have to demonstrate the goodness of masculinity, the goodness of femininity, the goodness of marriage. So people focus on true but anything that's true is good and i think we have to work to to display the goodness of god's design
1: praise god amen to all of that yes thank you so much for having this conversation with us i really hope that people grab the book as well i'm getting close to finishing it and it's just been such an encouragement to me and i'm not i'm not a dude but it's kind of like you said at the beginning it really is just a reminder of what we should already know that is unfortunately Easy to lose grasp on in our current in our current culture, so it's very encouraging in that I way. That. As stupid as it also is.
2: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, we also try to give people arguments that turn things on their head. Like, hey, right. are you for the patriarchy? Well, which patriarchy? Right. 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 And uh, you know, and, and trying to give people language to change the nature of the conversation because we think that uh, egalitarianism and, and complementarianism. are are kind of in a rut right now in, in the conversation, you know, we, we totally want to turn things in their head. Um, and that's why we think uh, there's a, we cited in the book, but Peter Jones wrote a great article on how androgyny is paganism or paganism is androgyny is paganism. Yeah. And you just Google Peter Jones and and, androgyny and paganism and read that article is
1: that just, the guy that is just so good on oneism and twoism
2: that's him that's yes. him okay. yep. truth exchange yeah he wrote that article and I and and what was funny is so I I came up with this idea um by reading Edmund Morgan's uh the Puritan family he talks about it in there and then I had been this is like 99. 2000, something like that. I was uh, studying anthropology in, in college and got really interested in these ideas. And I started to recognize, like, you know, it's really not men versus women. It's they're trying to diminish and denigrate the differences. Like, right. you always talk to like egalitarians, right. like, hey, what are, what's something um, particularly good about men that's not true of women or vice versa? Right. Like, you yeah, ask egalitarian that they're like, what? <laughs> you know, they really struggle. Right. And, and so that idea started to, uh, to hit me and then someone told me about this article by peter jones and then i read it and i was like oh my goodness someone's like taking the time like i had this gut that this was a thing and i read it same thing happened on households that i was really thinking about productive households and i never heard anyone talk about it someone's like have you read um chris wiley's book um C.R. Wiley and mm-hmm. I was like I don't know who that is and now Chris Wiley's become a friend of mine but I read his book and I was like oh my goodness this is right you know and so it all started to come together and we're just trying to change trying to change the conversation because I really do think that that we, we forget we forget that feminists are people mm, <laughs> right? right they they really like if you can dial down the animosity, maybe we can have a conversation. Like, hey, are you happy with your life? Would you Would you enjoy being a mother and a wife? Do you think, you know, if you can move right. it to a more positive place? Well, I just don't want to be a slave at home. Well, I mean, what What if home is a place where things get done? What if like me and Emily, we used to stay up at night and drink a bottle of wine while packing. Uh, things that we sold on Amazon and eBay together watching like American pickers (laughs) or (laughs) office reruns for the last Mm -hmm. time, you know, right. Like like we, we, we're doing stuff. What if, you know, you know, what I hope is that we can start to have, to, to get away from internet arguments and nastiness Mm. and, and, and have real conversations. Some of these people hate God and and we're not going to make any ground with them. But a lot of times, the nature of our dialogue, of our rhetoric, uh, dials things up to 11 so quick, we can't make any ground. And what I've found is that I've made a lot of ground with soft complementarians and and, and feminists by just having uh, a decent level of civility, I guess, and, and asking them questions that other people haven't asked them, you know, making them think a little bit. And that's that's kind of a, something that's awesome in our book that I hope comes out. I hope it just changes the dialogue a little bit. Cause I read all the masculinity books out there and most of them like put me into a downward spiral of yawning to death. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and it's just like this again, this again, it's like everything right. I always non, I always tell him like, we gotta be careful. Our content is, it's good to be a man, not women can't do that. Right. right, like right. we're trying to focus on a particular aspect, and and that's that's been again part of the goal of the project, and and I'm 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 really overwhelmed um, to see how God is bringing more people to uh, this topic and, and seeing good thinking and, and better communication and better writing on it. So I do think things are moving in a better direction. It's a it's a big battle, but you know yeah. what, the church was a couple hundred people back on the day of Pentecost and here we are over the globe Amen. today. So Amen. You know, I'm not, I'm not sweating it.
1: Amen. Well, you keep doing what you're doing. I think it's been extremely impactful. Um, and like you said, you know, we, we need to, we need more people that are willing to lead by example, uh, in that way. So love your book. Thanks for spending all this time with us and come back next time you write a book. Maybe it's good to be a woman. We could, uh, have
2: you on for that one. <laughs> I got I got one in the works, but it's kind of a downer. Awesome. But that's for oh, time. no. Oh, okay. All
1: right. Well, sometimes we're into that. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> tell Emily we said, hey.
2: Will do. All right. Talk to you later. Thank you. Yep. God Bye. bless. <laughs> well, <laughs>
1: well, wasn't, wasn't that, that wonderful? Great. Oh, you went with wonderful. Okay. Mm-hmm. It really was one of my more favorite interviews that we've done. It was
0: excellent. I Everything loved- I hope to achieve in this episode <laughs> was said. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well. And I, like, I was, it was so enjoyable. I forgot we were even talking about something considered controversial. (laughs) I I loved that we all just got to talk about it plainly as though, like, yeah, no caveats. One
1: of my favorite things about doing an interview like this is that I know that from his internet persona. Mm -hmm. Not that he has a persona, but from what... Basically, everybody's on the internet is a persona, Mm -hmm. because you don't really know them, but from his internet persona, I think a lot of people would assume that he's, like, you know, a jerk or whatever. And then what I love is when you actually get to hear the person speak.
0: Right. And you just... And they're just gentle. You can't hold that ground. Their blood pressure isn't off the charts. They're not
1: yelling. He's not not being a jerk. Mm -hmm. And I... That's one of my favorite things about doing these kinds of interviews with people that um, say controversial things on the Internet is that then you can hear from them more than a 260 character explanation of what they believe and then come to a much better conclusion about whether or not something they've written is worth your time. And I think after this, you all know that the book will be well
0: worth your time. I agree.
1: You can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. Oh,
0: I feel like we'll be getting some voicemails and some interaction on this episode.
1: You know what I have to say about that?
0: We need a code word for this episode because this is one of those. Yes. Okay. Okay. So the code word is blue. Oh, yeah. Well,
1: okay. Because it's
0: the best. Well, that's not why I'm agreeing to it. Oh, I didn't mean to do that. It's I not, meant to play not, this for you. That's not why I'm agreeing to it. There you part. go. This is for you, oh, Joy. the clear winner.
1: Sure. You guys have a wonderful week. <laughs>
0: See ya.